And I we're live. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to uh, the the second to last stream that I'll be doing for the year uh, and for Fallout for Hope. Tonight, uh, we have something a little more casual. Tomorrow night, uh, I will be doing the Storage Wars game, a brand new game that uh, we've been working in Fallout 76 on, and uh, I'm really happy about that one. But tonight, we have something a little more fun, a little more casual. Hello, Zelix, and hello, Mythical Rules Me. Um, yeah, tonight, uh, we're going to, to go back through season one, um, and take a look at the scripts, talk about, uh, what people loved, uh, paths not taken, weird moments, that kind of thing. Um, and I'm also, I'm joined by, uh, Jessica Dickey tonight. Um, hello, Jessica. Hello. I'm also joined by the one and only Clint. Clint. Hey. And last but not least, Taylor Jinx Knight, the voice of Amada. Hey! There she be. <laughs> All right, so tonight, uh, I, I, the way I did this, so uh, right now I have up on the screen our website. Uh, and what a lot of people still don't know, um, each season uh, of the web, uh, as we close it out, uh, there are full episode um, pages and transcripts. So all of the scripts from the show uh, that you listen to, you can actually go to the website at any point in time and uh, read right through the original scripts, the same scripts that we use. Um, so let's start out with with episode one. Um, so this was uh, where it it all began, uh, and the episode title is actually his name was Chad. Um, the opening here, um, this episode, when I, I first did it, it was based off the original journal stories that I did on Reddit. Um, and this episode was kind of a test balloon. The, the very first journal story was pretty short. So, I mean, I think this is our shortest full episode ever. It's only 13 minutes and 45 seconds. Um, but it was also the very first audio production I, I have ever done. And I think we've come a long way since then. Now, I have begged and and pleaded uh, to go back and remaster these, uh, at least these original four episodes. And according to both the cast uh, and our patrons and public, uh, it, it came in as a resounding no. So I'm going to play a little bit of the beginning here, and I'm going to I'm going to tell you my my number one biggest pet peeve with this episode. Oh, hang on. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta. Actually, that's... Uh, oh, this a vault broke in a frame, driving off the one... Skip past the trailer. Okay, here we go. This post-apocalyptic podcast contains some foul language, dark humor, and depictions of well-warranted violence. You have been warned. Proceed through the vault door at your own risk. <laughs> That's never going to heal. <sighs> I 
I'm going to pause it right there. So this initial thing, uh, bearing in mind that this was the first audio production I ever did, the sound quality on that was just, it, it kills my ear at this point. Um, I liken it to, it's supposed to be, you know, Simon, this is at the very end, by the way, we're, it's taken us two seasons to come back to this point, but uh, the end of this season, actually, you're hearing it right now, um, just before the, the battle when um, Simon makes his way back to a safe house after having a final uh, encounter with Chad that Chad injected him with something very permanent that will prevent him from ever being able to use stim packs to regenerate again, um, to hobble him before battle, which is a, a pretty brutal thing to do, I have to say. Uh, but that, that sound of a first approaching the shack, it, it sounds like I'm wearing plastic bags on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> like the sound is just so loud. And then the door opens and it's like, it's, it's old school Foley in terms of walking. Yeah. Um, I was watching your face while we were listening to it. <laughs> it's just, you were, yeah. it's, or you were like <laughs> cringing. It's so loud. <laughs> um, so then it continues on and we, we get kind of our first introduction to, to Simon here, um, where he loads up the holotapes and begins what became kind of a trope of ours that we've left behind a little bit, um, which is the, the Appalachia Day 42, 74 degrees Fahrenheit, sunny and clear, where we have um, the beginning of each one of his entries as if he's reading these diaries. And we, we stopped doing that eventually because it was kind of unnecessary now that we had a full cast. Um, I think I want to start doing them again once... Uh, we get closer to the battle for Appalachia. And since, you know, you're hearing the ending now, it, you know, it's kind of obvious that eventually Simon's going to be unthawed. Um, we get Simon's first takes on Chad. Um, and the way in which this opens, and it shows kind of how far we've come character-wise, um, talking about his impression of who chad is which is really stereotypical <laughs> um in terms of what the the meme for chad is and we go we've come such a long way from that um with Susie, you know him adopting her and taking care of her and the the relationship that they developed together in this kind of weird family with um moose and patsy um and everyone it's kind of the the polar opposite of the kind of weird polycule dysfunctional relationship that Simon has with Jake and Amada. <laughs> yeah, Chad's gang is a little more more wholesome. It's weird how that turned right around. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> and I didn't intend. Um, so the the trope of of you slowly liking Chad was really intentional. Um, but only after episode four, um, when I, I saw the feedback that we got from people in terms of the dynamic between Chad and Susie um, became oddly wholesome. So I decided to flip things and make Simon the villain, which I think is the biggest shift from what the original journal stories were. Um, 
which the journal stories played out with Simon the hero and Chad being the villain. Um, as we got towards the the end of those original stories, and we've departed so wildly from that, with Simon now being a really obviously false protagonist. And still to this day, a lot of people will will comment or write in like, I find myself liking Chad, and I don't know why. <laughs> we we played such a long and subtle game with that, I think, mm-hmm. that you get just these little wholesome moments bit by bit, and then you start to like him, when in the beginning you can't stand him well and, and especially when it when it comes to that chad arc because season one he is way more of you know the douchebag the classic chad mm-hmm. that we all know and and then mm-hmm. like you just grow with that arc and you're just like oh chad's the good guy this uh this simon character now, now i don't i don't care for him <laughs> yeah you very like much get to growth Yes. Get to grow grow with Chad almost. Grow up mm-hmm. with him and yeah, he's growing up. And that's exactly what it is. Like if you picture everything that happens inside the vault, it's all very insular. It's a siloed community. You know, they're kind of coddled. They're told they're the best and brightest. So it's like they're in school. The overseer is very much a teacher mom kind of figure. Um and then all of the the way in which they act and interact and uh, the kind of stunts that they pull, all of that is is very juvenile, which makes sense. I mean, they they grew up in the vault, and now they're kind of off on their own. It's like, okay, you've graduated now. You know, fuck off. Good luck. <laughs> and then you you have like real life. It's very much like real life. Yeah. It's like okay, training <laughs> wheels are off. I guess. <laughs> And some people... and let me tell you too, like just being like a young in here, it's it's really great to see that. And like personally, I feel like it does relate a lot to fans too, because after like COVID, I feel like everything kind of like really overtook with it, which is, I mean, absolutely a great thing. But I feel like it really got that sense of like we understand that you guys are lost. We're lost too. We're here for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It also. Um... When you think about it, too, I think the root of Simon's struggle is some people don't move on from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they remain stuck and then they just don't mature. And if anything, they kind of wish they were back there uh, and want to go back as opposed to, you know, grow and change and move on. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very much a, a Simon thing. He's He's stuck. It's definitely one of those, like, when, when people say, like, you peaked in high school. Well, like, in, not even in a peak way, like, your emotion grew to this one standpoint, and it planes from there. You know, it doesn't doesn't keep growing, nor does it take a crash. You just, you're stuck in that abyss mm-hmm. of high school and, and, you know, immaturity. But now you have access to weapons. Exactly. Right. And the internet. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know which which makes sense when you take a look at the numbers you know that in fallout 76 we've we've dropped something like eight hundred thousand nukes on appalachia um Mm -hmm. which from a lore standpoint probably doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense but we're all just living in the living in the atoms Yeah, and then we get to, uh, I'm going to jump ahead to to 
the denouement point. I'm going to build a pre-war porta potty based on some blueprints I found. In actuality, I'm stag. Grazing on take my shot. Careening out of them. I was woken up at four in the fucking morning to Chad grinding and banging away at my armor station. He then had the gall to help himself to some of my leftover dog food. He just went right into my stash and pretended like impossibly it magically is only his things, as if that made any sense at all. By 7 a.m., he was piss drunk and thought it would be hilarious to climb on top of my power armor and taunt passers-by with a hail of gunfire. Of course, they returned fire, and now two of my walls are blown out. I quietly walked a short distance away and vented my growing frustration by shooting at some felled trees until I was out of bullets and covered in sawdust. Shut this off. Appalachia, day 45, what the fuck time is it? Oh, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be fucking kidding me. That's enough. Morning. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a great day for it. I shot Chad in the face today. Beautiful weather. Outlook is promising. Country roads take me home. Gonna dig a shallow grave. West Virginia. That was it. <laughs> yeah, when you, uh, I remember when uh, back during year one, there was so much um, meta stuff that we injected in there that when you think about uh, building a, a home in the wasteland, people were, were treating it like it's, as if it was their house. So people were getting pretty pissed off and going on Reddit saying like, I wish people would stop coming in the house and using my stuff and they're on my workbenches. Right. You lock your doors. I lock, I lock my doors. These, these fucking people busted in my house. It's like, all right. Or if you use the, the brick walls with the wider window panes, you can actually just jump through those. Right. Like, yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's fucking people in my house. I wish stop using my shit. I like the people who like put their, um, their workbenches on the lower level but then they like <laughs> lock the door to the upper level, like where the living quarters are. Yeah. <laughs> or they, they hide their stuff inside like closed <laughs> off walls. So you can't. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I never understood that, that whole part of it. Um, like it's not hurting you or anybody else for them to use your workstation or your bed or anything like sure. Okay. The bed, like even video game, it's like, okay, that's creepy. That's mine. You know, but like, the armor station or you know like why why can't they use it you're not there you won't do you know how many people used your stations while you're not there <laughs> you you never really know so many people left the toilet seat up 
so many people who who also who also who hasn't who hasn't walked away at some point you know to get a drink or go to the restroom and then come back and just some random stranger is just teabagging you teabagging you while you're sleeping right that's just i did a lot of that with um with the like the mr fuzzy rides and stuff like those are great for that i'm I'm sorry (laughs) maybe it's (laughs) terrible but oh my gosh (laughs) yeah but i think like you said ken it's almost like people are treating it like it's their own home so it's Mm -hmm. that wish for some kind of privacy maybe you know even in the virtual world yeah, so that was that was episode one. Episode one was pretty short. So then we get to episode two. And episode two um, was still very much scripted exactly as you heard. Um, so I'm, I'm still using the, the Reddit stories that I wrote at this point. Um, so this one opens kind of where we left off. So we go back. It's still, you know, Simon singing uh, about shooting him in the face. He resumes recording and then expands on that. Uh, and then this right here is when our entire arc got introduced. But here in this place, the dead don't stay dead, do they? I didn't know it then, but giving in and killing that son of a bitch was the start of a long line of mistakes. Internal bleeding, whatever he did to me, Stimpaks no longer work. But I'll have the last laugh. I remember when. And then we're introduced to the insult bot um, that literally delivered... Uh, a box of dicks. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really liked um, the um, the insult bots jingles. Um, they reminded me of there's that hilarious point in the movie Clue that parodies the 1950s and 60s singing uh, telegrams. So they would mm-hmm. actually, they would come over to your house and sing like this cheesy little jingle and then give you your uh, message. Kim, the singing telegram. telegram. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So we had the, the insult bot come in. Um, and then it goes right into the story and picks up where we left off. And at this point, um, it's when Simon realizes for the very first time, 46 days in, that death doesn't work out here. Um, thinking that Chad had died and did not in fact die. Um, so he just finds this, this shallow grave and starts completely panicking about it. Thank you for the follow captain laser. And, uh, also, uh, giveaways are still going on by the way. Um, exclamation point giveaway. We've got a whole host of giveaway items that we're doing. Everything from a exceptionally rare, um, only created by the Xbox and Bethesda Softworks marketing departments for the Philadelphia six, uh, 76ers. We have an Xbox One that was developed for that team specifically. Wow. Um, so it's kind of the ultimate giveaway uh, that's been gifted to us. Um, that is one of the giveaways, as well as uh, a lovely gaming chair. Um, Elgato Steam Decks. We got a whole bunch of stuff that we're giving away. Um, and if you can, uh, and if you have not yet, every little bit counts for uh, for St. Jude. We're currently at, uh, where are we? I think we're at 70. 
Yeah, congratulations, Clint, on reaching and surpassing your goal. Yes, so hey. good, Clint. Good for you. It's multiple times. Uh, seventy-one thousand two seventy-two is where we're at. That's amazing. Nice. Yeah. Um. Oh, this was the pie bit. <laughs> that is my favorite part. <laughs> so not only not only does um, Simon find a shallow grave, but in just trying to get a piece of pie because he's starving out of this machine, and it kind of mimics again the meta experience of us trying to get a perfectly preserved pie out of the machine. I tried my entire playthrough of Fallout 4 and never once got it. And in 76, I think I've only got it twice. Um, and as he's grinding away for it, he's he's slowly losing his <laughs> mind until he just dies. Um, and then we got our first breakaways um, just after Simon's heart stops beating. Then we get this cheery 1950s music busting in and the perfectly preserved pie commercial, which to date is is still uh, a fan favorite. And anytime we get a chance to do those commercials, I love doing them. This post a blown out wall on the glass. It, it almost uh, Are you, you get another voice in there for a little bit. Kitchen, Jim. That's yeah. different from I the cast. We'll... It, it's a really beautiful way to break up an episode, put like a little intermission in. It is, especially when there's something serious going on. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna play a little bit mm -hmm. of the pie commercial here. I, well, I Honey, the, I'm the home. Commercials, I'm but... in the kitchen, Jim. Oh, Say, what's that amazing pie. aroma? Why, it's my plump and delicious pie. Ooh, gee whiz, Susan, that's one moist-looking pie. But what's the occasion? Well, Jim, lately I've noticed you sneaking next door every time Miss Robbins takes her pie out. But Susan. A man should eat pie in his own home, served up piping hot. Here, try this. Oh, heavenly days, McGee. Look at all those plump and flaky layers. What's your secret? A lady never talks about her pie, Jim. Just try a bite. Mmm. 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 Poor mouthwater tastes. Mmm. Incredible. Mmm, so perfect. Just one juicy bite, and even the neighbors won't stop eating my pie. Mmm, mm, wait till the fellas down at the office hear about this. I have enough pie mm. for all of them, Jim. Invite them over tomorrow evening. I'll make sure you land that big promotion. Oh, Susan. Yes, Jim? Your pie is perfect. Yes, I know. And ladies, between you and me, the secret is all in the box. Ask your grocer for new perfectly preserved pie mix from Whamco. There is nothing funnier to me uh, than the kind of uh, so polished and pristine, cheeky uh, 1950s Americana, the, the innocence presented um, of that era, injecting some sexual innuendo into it. I think that is just hilarious. Definitely why it's a fan favorite, in my opinion, especially because the pie, uh, perfectly preserved pie is a reoccurring joke in mine and my husband's relationship where everything <laughs> he No, no, let me explain because uh -huh. it's a very hot button issue. <laughs> so it's a hot button issue, okay. Itself, 
Yes, I'm on wetness too. So every single fallout, because that's kind of like fallout, Skyrim, it's our thing, like we're Bethesda heads. And um, every single fallout, this man gets the pie every time. Like I promise you, it's every single time. And it's so funny because I am reiterating Simon, losing my mind trying to get it. I've gotten it, like you said earlier, I've gotten it twice during Fallout 76. <laughs> Never got it in four. And I'm sitting here and like every single time we're at like the purveyor or something, he's like, oh, try it twice. You'll get it. He goes up and tries it like after I try it like 68 times. And he's like, oh, look at me. I got it first try. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Like the, <laughs> the pie commercial itself was just great. It was phenomenal. It's absolutely one of my favorites. And it just makes it that much better because of that personal, you know, aspect. <laughs> I get the pie every time. That needs to be on a t-shirt. Well, we've, we've got a new commercial, folks. Uh, strap in. We're going to talk about pie. Get ready, boys. Explaining how my husband can't get enough of my pie. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. Yeah, and the episode the episode um ends here with with Simon becoming increasingly frustrated with the reality of the world. So not only does he he starve to death and die, um, but comes back, um he ends up being killed um by fellow vault weavers and respawned back at the vault. Um, so in these these early days, um, it became a recurring joke that no matter how far Simon got into the world, he would always end up back where he started. Until he finally um, <laughs> does agree that he's going to become Death, the Destroyer of Worlds, and turn Appalachia to glass. Very dramatic. Yes. So that was our episode two. Um, episode kind of three. So we had a 4th of July special that we injected in there. Um, and um, I'd written the episodes ahead. So um, by this point, I knew that by episode four, I wanted to bring in a full cast. So that's when I put out the casting announcements. Um, and while we were working on episode four, uh, and I had episode three written, I wanted to do a 4th of July episode that would be kind of a soft launch of having a full ensemble cast. So this one saw um, what would have been 4th of July as celebrated in the vault. And it had all of the the classic tropes, um, the, the food eating contests. Um, it had a parade um, with Shriners driving around on little cars. And of course, there's an accident and explosion in the vault. Um, it's just a fun cutesy episode. A lot of times people like to listen to holiday or watch holiday episodes of shows and the holiday comes around. And I think this is the most over the top patriotic one we ever did. Oh, all I'm saying is I totally could have beat Marianne at that hot dog eating <laughs> contest. Okay. That was not fair. <laughs> I mean, if not for the mutation giving her the snake-like ability right. to dislocate her jaw. <laughs> well, they told me to take Rat away first, not after, okay? 
Yes, but did you have your class freak and what's the other one called? Look, freak. I'm a big enough class freak <laughs> for everybody. I don't need some card telling me I am. <laughs> yeah, also the um the beginning bit here uh for the fourth of July special um was some uh national archive footage from the Howdy Duty show in which Howdy Duty is is talking about the importance of patriotism. Uh and then of course it it cuts straight to a nuclear blast before the episode <laughs> begins. Um yeah, we're introduced to uh, Simmons and Hugo um, setting up WV seventy six AM, the uh, the radio station that was inside the vault that we came back to a few times. Um, that was in that last year that they were in the vault, kind of a project to have a a student dweller run radio station. Hey, you need carnage. Yeah, and this is the first time that we really meet Jake and uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Foster. Hugo talking about the 4th of July festivities. Really set all the characters up for, you know, their personalities and where you'd find them in the next couple seasons. Yeah, it was a nice soft way to introduce. And also for us, it was the first time we were really playing our characters off each other. Um, so doing like a, a, a standalone holiday special is a good way to, to break them in a little bit. Yeah. And then of course you're introduced to Chad for the first time. Uh, I definitely remember <laughs> the first table read we ever did, um, on, on this episode, I'm pretty sure. And it was so funny because at first we're all like, no, nobody really knows each other here. Like we all just kind of got <laughs> thrown in this Facebook group chat. Yeah. And uh, it, it was just like, we're all trying to play our parts, but we're all like, we don't, we don't know. How, we don't know what we're doing yet. What are you yeah. talking about? Uh, I just remember it being a, a really good time and really fun, you know, backstage at that first table read. It was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It started everything in motion for us. So. Mm-hmm. And thank you. I pixeled up. Hey, Mother of Dragons, and Wreck-It Renee. Hello. Oh, Susie, that's okay, dear. Jessica is here in spirit. We miss you. I know. Um, yeah, the, the play that they ended up doing uh, that Chad kind of ruins um, was a really great first introduction to how much of a, a dick he is. Because we never ever hear Chad in that first opening episode. All you hear is Simon talking about him and then shooting him. But you don't really hear his voice until this one. Um, We're also introduced to kind of a a plot hole um, where I introduced a prototype Liberty Prime as like a throwaway gag that, of course, it wreaks havoc at the end of the episode. Um, And Mark... Uh, Dr. Mark Howsworth did a really amazing, amazing job with Liberty Prime, I have to say. Uh, yes. In fact, we should play some of that here. I've actually got one of his sound bites. It's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. Hey. 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 
Why is there a lock symbol on that? Uh, all right, I guess we're not going to hear that. That's weird. <laughs> For some reason, it's locked. I'll figure that out. You violated copyright copyright infringement. Uh, here we go. Yeah, with Liberty Prime at the end. We're going to come back to that because I I introduced a way too overpowered character just as a runaway gag that we can never mention again. <laughs> and it also, uh, it was um, also designed to be the scale of the power armor. Like I wanted there to be a, a realistic explanation for why there are all of these Liberty Primes running around Appalachia. With people inside them these little prototypes yes yeah, so that was episode our fourth of july episode then we come to episode three um which i remember the first time we met pete hines when we were um at bethesda game days and the joke in this one this is when simon for the first time finds jake after looking for him in Amada for all of this time, finally finding them. Um, and then Jake feeds him soup, uh, only to, to find out, uh, that the soup was tits McGee. Someone they used to know <laughs> and tease back in the vault. And I remember the very, like when I was first, uh, talking to Pete Hines, he said, you know, he said it would be hilarious if you just walked around in a t-shirt that said I ate Tits McGee and you never <laughs> ever explained it. It's just one of those t-shirts where nobody's like, what the hell? I'm just saying I'll design it band? tonight and we're putting it in the merch store. It'll be in the merch store tomorrow. <laughs> we have to send one to him. Be like, this yeah. was inspired by you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I reckon Renee wants to play Tits McGee. <laughs> Can <Yes>. we? <laughs> Oh my god. I mean technically technically te Tits McGee is still out there, Rick Renee. <laughs> and she's probably pretty pissed off at this point. Yeah. Half eaten, you know. <laughs> Can we get a, a piss flaps shirt too? Yes. Oh no. Yes. We, we, we need piss flaps. Uh did did uh did we ever get art for piss flaps? No. No. Oh we need we need art no. for piss flaps. That... Come on. Come on, Kenny. I that is that is uh, the most cringe character that I have ever created. It was so good. Though. I mean, it it's hilarious. It was so popular though, like it's Can hilarious you the because to Craig. Oh, like yeah. asking for that yes. artwork. Craig's like, I uh, need yeah. you to create. Uh, Here's this. what the character's name is. Yeah, character's character's name is. Flaps, you know, let's just call her Miss Flaps. Right, Miss Flaps. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, that was or P.S. The story behind sure. that character is um, when I was in high school, um, I did a a history project on Pearl Harbor, and uh, I ended up losing the audio track on the VHS tape, so we couldn't use it for that project. So then we just had this random video footage of a short play that I wrote, um, in which you know this. Um, it's reenacting someone who's found out that they, they lost their brother in Pearl Harbor and is visited by the ghost of the brother. Uh, and so, so since we didn't have that, when I had a cable access show, 
ended up coming back to that footage and then redubbing it. And I invented just this really high pitched, weird voice. Uh, and she would keep interrupting herself by making horse noises. Mm. <laughs> so wow. Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so that, you know, I could probably play that. Uh, oh, oh yes. Yes, you should. I think, I think I may have that somewhere. Hang on. Can, can you make sure that I'm we, we can hear that? Cause you know, that'd be great. <laughs> Uh, let's see. <laughs> At the time, it was just about the funniest thing ever. Uh, and I wanted to do kind of a different weird voice. And because, uh, like our, our Christmas episode was pretty dire. Like the score, uh, is bleak. Um, and it's a pretty bleak story. I mean, you know, Santa's a ghoul now and depressed um, and just really unhappy. Uh, all right, hang on. Let me. Yeah, I can't play that. That's uh, Waterloo. Uh, let's see. It's Oh, yeah, it's right here. <laughs> all right all right hang on let me try let me loop this in here uh this is going to look incredibly goofy because it's vhs quality it looks like softcore porn um <laughs> that classy 80s all right and and bear with me i mean i was 15 at the time that i made this so you know it's gonna be a little something all right there's okay love it all right let me resize this here all right so all right, there's... okay love it all right let me wait why am i hearing myself Uh, and if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, I'll hear it double. So just, uh, mute yourself for a second while you listen to this. So this is, this is the origin of, of that particular character. It's important to note that our cable access show is only available at 1 a.m. in the morning in northeastern Massachusetts. Nice. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's that's yeah, pretty cringe. But that's where the voice and character came from. Perfect. <laughs> it's cringe. Uh <laughs> so the character is coming back 
um, for the, you did, you did come in. <laughs> yeah. Ray, it was one o'clock in the morning on cable access. Anything goes. <laughs> I said, so what exactly can we get away with and do? He's like, you can do whatever you want. It's cable access. I was like, okay. Um, you said it. Fair enough. I mean, we'd seen Wayne's World, so we all had visions of the show yeah. actually going somewhere. And I, I think a lot of people started cable access shows around that time. Um, that character is is coming back, but uh, voiced by somebody else. <laughs> I find it personally embarrassing. <laughs> She'll, she, she, claps is coming back. She's going to have uh, a small character role in the battle. Uh, so, because the the battlefield, uh, the battle for Appalachia will, will have every single character that we've had. Um, characters that that fell down wells characters that we've never heard again uh i've i've had a way to to bring them back in a sense nice nice yeah i like it i'm excited i'm yeah, super so, excited uh so episode three um yeah so chemi uh, chems camping and chemicals oh my um has two really fun moments um it's simon deciding to to camp out on death claw island and that going about as well as you'd expect. Um, and finally, <laughs> for the first time, you know, meeting Jake, um, but also realizing that everybody out here has adopted weird names. I've been venturing <laughs> north uh, on on Jake or General Penis with a one in it. <laughs> Stumbled upon something amazing, the ruins of the old Tyler County dirt track. Yeah, so this was uh, Jake and I talking, talking about Amada, wondering where she was, um, and the moment where Simon is is fed somebody they knew in the vault as Tits McGee. Uh, and ending um, with Jake asking if uh, Simon was upset that Jake fed Simon. Um, it's McGee, and he said no, and then of course eats Jake, uh, and and moves on. <laughs> That's the end of season three, uh, episode three. Um, then episode four, um, until our Halloween episode, this was uh, our most listened to episode of all time, and it makes sense. Uh, people really love origin stories. And this is really the origin story of, of so many of our characters. So we start out pre-war um, on that final day. And out of anything that we've done, recreating recre um, that final morning was a lot of fun. So there's a lot of stuff going on in terms of sound design. We open in a garden. You know, everything is great. It's a beautiful October day. And we're introduced to Susie and, and Ella. Um, by the time I dropped the episode, I'd already changed Susie's, uh, not uh, Susie's voice, Ella's voice. Um, the original one I modeled far too closely on the Edison talking dolls, which if you've never heard is straight up nightmare fuel. Um, but the feedback that I got from a few people is that it was hard to make out what Ella was saying. Because of the uh, the sound quality, uh, and also it was also considered scary, so I softened her a little bit. <laughs> it's been nightmare fuel. Definitely Ella's nightmare. not scary. 
Um, the news announcement that's that's in the background where I put loads of Easter eggs um, to Fallout and also popular culture in our episodes. And if you listen closely, you can sometimes catch them because I try and do them as subtly as possible. Um, the um, news announcer in the background while the family's talking and having breakfast and you're introduced to Susie's family um, talking about Patch's pumpkin house for the final pumpkin gala. Um, so that's reference to the pumpkin house. Dick Justice and the Stromettes will be playing there all weekend long. Uh, Dick Justice was a really famous um, musician from West Virginia. Um, so I dropped him in there. Um, the White Spring completed their grand reopening this weekend. Um, the White Spring had just finished their reservation, uh, renovations um, before the war broke out. So I put in a little nod to that. Um, local police stepping in. Uh, mysterious lights in the evenings in the Atlantic Pacific Ocean and the Pentagon investigating actively the possibility of Chinese submarines violating United States sovereign waters. Um, the other fun thing here is up until this point, um, Mr. and Mrs. Davis are your, your typical 1950s American family. It's very sitcom. Um, I know Renee, <laughs> I loved the name. Um, the, um, moment that the West Virginia emergency broadcast system goes off, that facade kind of crumbles away and the humor comes in with them rushing around. Um, Mr. Davis ordering people around, Mrs. Davis worrying about her dishware set, um, talk, talking about the sex robot that they don't want to leave behind. Yeah. Mr. Davis getting into uh, a verbal argument with a neighbor about his cheating wife at the Flatwoods Motel. Just the whole facade completely crumbles as it's kind of everyone for themselves. Uh, and then Mark recreating um, the exact dialogue from Fallout 4. So in Fallout 4, uh, the news radio broadcast that you see in the beginning bit there when you, you book it for the bunker, um, I had Mark recreate here. And this is exactly what that news anchor had said in Fallout 4. Yeah. So I tried to maintain that continuity as much as possible. Um, even driving time, um, in audio form, I figured out what the driving time would be bet between where Susie's house would be in World and Vault 76. Um, and it makes sense. You know, they everyone knows this, this vault exists. It was a very big public spectacle. Um, I did think it a little odd that on that final day with with even that much notice, there wasn't, you know, more cars and dead bodies because it makes sense in that kind of panic moment. Where can you possibly go? And you know that just up the hill here is this huge vault that is fully protected and, and able to sustain you. It makes sense for people to kind of book it there. Um, and then we start to see a little bit of, of Ella. So we're not quite sure at this point what's going on there. If she's like a Twilight Zone-esque haunted doll, if this is all in Susie's head and she's hearing voices, like, like we don't know what the deal is there. 
Um, but Ella ends up saving Susie by telling her to get into the lead lined trunk of the car. While uh, Mr. and Mrs. Davis are cooked. So speaking of Ella, <clears throat> because I, I want to say I remember us having this conversation, but it may be a good talking point because we are in season one talking about origins and backstories and everything. What what made you want to come up with the tickle my fanny Ella dog? Call? Um, I was trying to think of what the equivalent to the insanity uh, of like the 80s and 90s Christmas capitalism um, the obsession over every year in the 80s and 90s there was a specifically hyped toy to the point that people would go absolutely insane to try and get it for their kid that's the whole point to um, jingle all the way with Arnold Schwarzenegger it plays off that that period in time where there'd be a popular toy that would come out in limited number you would have to go to the store and like be ready to do it and like bring your fists and it would get mm -hmm. ugly like there's the, the the black friday stuff that you see on tv of people getting into fist fights was all very real here with people freaking out over these um so she's kind of a mix between an old school edison talking doll and the the insanity over the tickle me elmo a doll um back in the day first child of christmas and capitalism put into a doll i yeah. love it so that's kind of where <laughs> she came from and also i've i forever find humor in in words that have double meanings um the word fanny in in america has a very different meaning and connotation than in other parts of the world um <laughs> So every time she says tickle my fanny as her catchphrase, uh, it is, I find it hilarious. Absolutely. Um, Vault 76, we're, we're introduced, the very first scene that we get in, in Vault 76 is when we're introduced to Patsy. For the very first time. We get some real growth there, Jess. The personal yeah. diary of Patsy Parker. Yes. Um, I'm just saying, she's a little cuckoo, guys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you had a cricket talking doll as a kid. Oh, dear. Oh, I remember those. <laughs> oh, yeah. The old days of physical inventory instead of digital wait lists. My buddy. Yeah. My buddy. Wherever he goes. <laughs> gonna go. My buddy, oh, kid sister, kid sister. <laughs> um, Patsy, like a lot of the characters, has has still had a growth and maturity arc of her own. I mean, at this point in, in time, she's still very much a completely airheaded valley girl. Um, in the first opening paragraph here, we're getting a little bit of insight to her character. Um, she's talking about how Chad's the best boyfriend Chad and I celebrate our three-year anniversary tonight. At lunch today, he brought over a Salisbury steak in the shape of a heart, and underneath it said, I kind of love you. Let's do it in the utility closet. He's like the most romantic <laughs> boyfriend I've ever had. <laughs> like, he literally serves for meat, and he said, let's go. <laughs> let's go do it. Sure. Thank you for the kind of <laughs> Sure. We'll go with that. 
Um, you know, Chad comes in, he talks about a prank that they did with the fusion generator. Um, Moose had replaced the fire extinguisher with whipped cream. Talking about Coach being on fire. Yeah, and then we're introduced to uh, Amada and Mr. Maltids, which um, I still really want to come back to him. Um, like Craig even did character art for Mr. Maltids accompanying you in the wasteland. And we did have a, a flashback moment um, of Mr. Maltids kind of chasing people out of the vault. Um, some of the, the robots, when you think about it, that are programmed for specific tasks, kind of like the Miss Nanny bots, um, their programming gets broken when their function ceases to exist. Like his entire role is just to make malteds, but with nobody left in the vault, it's kind of like, what exactly does he do with himself? Well, he just ends up going crazy. Yeah, and also at this point in time, we got um, both Chad and Jake interested in Amada, and then Jake finally works up the gumption to, you know, ask her. Which I think was absolutely brilliant, <laughs> might I add, because just the way that, like, Chad's story arc has went, um, I don't know, me personally, even though I don't have children, that's, like, a super soft spot, so I just, like absolute kudos there because that is amazing like and I feel like it would have just absolutely changed the entire dynamic of the story itself if it would have went with like Amada and Chad and that just would have been really weird because that's like you know Chad and Amada's like <laughs> a nerdy tinker like you know what I mean so and it, it just it's nice to see that friction of wholesomeness come from somebody who is a Chad um and it's just, I really, I really like, even as we progress and continue to do seasons of this, I really love that story arc that you've written in. And it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's it's fun to see how how the characters have grown. Even, even Moose, um, the way in which your character has grown. Moose mm. hasn't really grown much. Moose has, has grown quite a bit um but it's it's definitely with moose though like he he's still the and I, this is what i always refer to him as is the the dim-witted jock you know but he's he's like aged like because of everything he's been through so far with mm -hmm. you know getting out of the vault and and all the the things he's been through with chad and even more so with patsy now like Moose, Moose is is growing up, and and not just going with the flow. He's he's very much trying to like, um, okay, we're doing this, you know, like. Moose is like that guy Moose. that like. <laughs> Moose is like that guy that like, as you mentioned earlier, as we kind of started this with, um, kind of stuck like on that uh, plateau of being in high school, but at the mm -hmm. same time, he's also like that weird kid that like got a lot of money and is out just doing shit does that make yeah. sense like <laughs> yeah that's his vibe and i love it like it's great it's very loyal very loyal yeah mm -hmm. I, I mean moose makes a, a great wingman really to mm -hmm. anybody and while he's you know he's he's always going to be chad's second in command 
um, the relationship that he forms with Punch. You know, he finds someone initially that is as as equally kind of dumb in a charming way as he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who is just simple in terms of his wants and desires in like a really endearing way. Um, like Punch just doesn't want to kill people and just really wants to have a family, have fun, uh, and make brew. Like that's it. That's that's all mm-hmm. he needs to be completely happy. I love the way that they play off of each other too. Like just the chemistry that they like in a weird sense they were made for each other. And it just mm-hmm. it it brings Moose to a higher level. It brings Punch to a higher level. It's it was brilliant and I love it. I love the chemistry that's been there between those two characters. Yeah. And when we got to go to Boston and me and real life punch uh christian uh got got hotel rooms and we were you know mm-hmm. roommates for the day or whatever like me me and him probably set up for like an hour and just talked one night and we were just like you know what do you do you know like having that one-to-one with somebody you've never like physically met you're like really trying to get to know them and grilling them mm-hmm. and like me, me and Christian, like, hardcore on a... If we lived right next door to each other, we would be best friends, and we would be up in each other's grill every day, like... Aww. Yeah. He's a good <laughs> dude. Yeah. Christian's a great dude. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the overseer... So, um, the seeds of what would be our arc um, are planted really early on, and a lot of this stuff is kind of throwaways that when... You know, now that we're in season two, some of it starts to make sense. So um, I tried to solve the problem of why is it that you wake up and everyone else is already gone? Like there's no big moment where a whole bunch of you head out at once. Um, Initially, Fallout 76 was designed to have a lot more people in a single server, um, like three times as many people. Um, So when you arrived in the vault, it was meant that all of those other rooms would actually have people also exiting the same time. So when you're leaving and going out of the wasteland, you know, there'd be other people kind of following you as you're leaving, um, which makes a lot of sense. But from the character's perspective, you know, Simon wakes up, Chad wakes up, everyone's already gone. And it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to leave now. Um, after they've made all of these plans, and it also didn't make sense based on what the mission is. So the mission of Vault 76, its entire purpose that everyone knows, is on paper, it's meant to be a control vault, and they've gathered the best and brightest who are supposed to go out into the wasteland and restart civilization. Um, the problem is that doesn't make sense based on the way in which we exit and enter the world and what we're given. So... You wake up, uh, you head out there with the clothes on your back, I guess, and you're given like a bottle of water, some rat away, and some scrap lumber. Like, here you go, go restart civilization. Mm-hmm. What? Don't forget that... the party hat. And the party yeah. hat. Even a party and, hat. And the, and the pen. Like, <laughs> like, none of this even makes sense. So in year one, you know, we kind of joke about that fact that you're going out the door and you've got like lumber and some water and you know, this camp unit, but uh, you're underprepared for what your task is. 
And I think because we've made such a joke of that, I'd, I'd like to think that the reason now with the Wastelanders update that uh, now when you start a new character, new players of the game actually leave with proper gear, including weapons. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I wonder if our joke had something to do with that. Because it doesn't make sense when you think about it. So taking um, the meta experience of that, I wanted to make a, a plot reason for it to have been done that way. And that kind of happens here um with vince and the overseer kind of colluding um where they tease a little bit where the beverages have been dosed so everyone's at this party and the overseer has made sure through vince that they're all drugged um around midnight um everyone will make sure that everyone's tucked in standees and supplies will be ready everything's programmed the high the handies will revive them one by one um the overseer doesn't agree with any of this. She wants to be able to to go out and set them up, which is which makes sense for her actions. So she immediately breaks protocol um, and starts leaving us supplies out there and little breadcrumbs to kind of help us out. Um, and she also finds a loophole in in Vault Tech and Bronze Plan. Five a.m. instructions or not, they never said anything about me not leaving things for them. I loaded crates by the vault door. When it unseals, some of the handies will be dispatched to drag them to key areas. I'm not going to leave them empty-handed. With any luck, I can rendezvous with some of them at the stash points. Um, and then here, we're introduced to a, a big bad that's been in the shadows that you haven't met yet, and, and you will quite soon, is uh, Stanislaus Braun. Uh, so you know what Braun said, flawless execution of testing parameters. That's one person you don't want to piss off. The overseer saying, Voltec, he won't succeed. Besides, he's tied up with his own experiment, um, meaning the experiment that he has going on in the Capital Wasteland at this point in time. Um, the other thing that didn't make sense was the um, discontinuity between the, the Reclamation Day date, as we know it in Fallout 76, and what the original date was supposed to be for the vault opening, which we learn later in Fallout 3, is a five-year difference. So um, Vince and the Overseer ended up messing up that plan. So the vault originally unseals. Um, the Overseer goes out, takes a look around, realizes, you know, five years before this Reclamation Day happens, we still have all of the awful stuff happening in Appalachia. You've got Scorch Plague. You've got uh, the Liberators. You've got everything that went wrong uh, and everyone dying before we exit was already in progress. So she ends up giving them a grace period by screwing up the computer system, resetting the clock, and it ends up breaking everyone's urometers on the Pip-Boy that it synchronized to the server back in Vault 76. Um, so I tried to tie up some some weird loose canon things in a way that would make sense for our story. It actually helped people answer some of those questions for themselves too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Because especially when you think about the fact that, uh, it, the, the experience that we have in, in vault 76 and outside and in Appalachia doesn't make a lot of sense for what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, like as far as is really getting into nukes and you know we, we dig into that in season two what's really going on here 
with the vault tech experiment um, learning that the vault was a false control vault the experiment actually starts the minute they leave where did you get the idea for that i think it was a bottle of port <laughs> Fair. I mean, <laughs> a lot of times, um, like when I'm I'm writing out the the broad strokes um, of our season outlines, um, and when I was thinking about what the 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 four season story was going to be, um, it was it was just some drinking and, and walking around in the world, uh, and then just mm -hmm. kind of thinking things through especially in context with the other games um mm -hmm. because there are some things that that again don't make sense that that there has to be something going on so for one thing why is it that as verdant and beautiful and pristine and filled with resources that appalachia is compared to every other fallout game we've had why mm -hmm. is it nobody talks about it as if it doesn't exist so there right, has so to be, soon after the bombs drop, too. Right, so there has to be a reason for that. Um, mm -hmm. Why is it that Stanislaus Braun, for as high up he was at vault for everything that he did between the vaults, the GEC, uh, the camp modules, everything that he contributed to, um, why would he just go into his vault and go into this simulation and then we never hear of him again? Um, so there has to be a reason for that too. The other thing is where the fuck is vault tech? Like all of this was set up. It was all, the foundation was laid. Um, you know, you've got the enclave at the oil rig. You've got the enclave uh, that was, you know, still alive for a while in the white spring vault. You've got the enclave up in Raven rock and in other places with all of the effort that they put into the plan or what comes next after the end a lot of things don't make sense like there there would be an immediate something that would happen after the war for the new thing to begin but it never did because it would be happening right now and maybe we're heading towards that as far as the official story goes but right now we're not headed for anything that we know of um there's just a lot of things that just don't pass the logic test um for for vault what is the point of setting up all of these experiments if there's not somebody somewhere looking at all of them um so that got me thinking about vault tech still being very active somewhere Stanislaus braun still being very active somewhere monitoring everything that's going on because the amount of effort put into these experiments it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense that they were just kind of done and then walked away and then nobody bothered to check in on them they would have right. great interest in seeing what's going on in all of these vaults with these experiments um mm -hmm. particularly braun who set up the testing parameters it's not like he was just doing this as part of his job he had a great vested interest in it mm -hmm. um so i had to think that there was a larger plan going on and there's a reason that um braun becomes cut off and locked in his vault um and just kind of left there and not caring about anything anymore uh, and we are going to be that reason Very so i have a question for you yeah do you think um so i i think a lot of their creativity 
in some of these podcasts and shows that we've seen, I think it was born out of the lack of NPCs and the lack of interaction with the environment besides just killing cryptids and stuff when we first started. Do you think had Fallout 76 started with NPCs, things would be different now? Do you think it would have... um, do you think Chad would have been born? Do you think that, you know, because they kind of give us a little bit of a guided story now. He wouldn't have existed. I, I can tell you that because mm-hmm. uh, I never felt the need to create a story mm-hmm. in any other Fallout game I've ever played because it becomes a passive experience. You're mm-hmm. you're following mm-hmm. a, a pre-scripted um, series of events. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're just kind of going around and, and questing. So you're not thinking about too much. It's more of a casual gaming experience than anything. Um, whereas what I was confronted with with 76 is you're you're constantly chasing people who you just missed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that year one story is very much set up like that. Like, okay, there's the Order of Mysteries. And, you know, okay, where is she? Oh my God, she's, mm-hmm. you know, here with her... Oh, no, we just missed them. They're both dead. And you know, mm-hmm. this is tragic. Um, we're kind of, we get that, that, that dangling bit of hope, like, like people are just are over the horizon and that never happens. Um, and, you know, if anything, I, I, I get, I think it's important that it was added because otherwise the experience as we know with, with fall 76 in its first year was very niche. Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of people didn't get it because it was yeah. way too much of a change from what we knew before. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to want to get it and be willing to to try and create uh, experiences of your own, either in a sandbox, in role play, or meeting and playing with new people, um, which again, you go from something that historically has always been a single player game to something that isn't. People are going to want the same experience they had, even though it's multiplayer. Um, so I think a ton of people, and even to this day, still come to 76 and want Fallout 5 and want it to be Fallout mm-hmm. 5. And it's not Fallout 5. It's never going to be Fallout 5. It's, right. it's no. an online multiplayer game. So mm-hmm. it's going to be designed to be an, an online multiplayer game. It's going to have elements of a single-player experience if you want that, but it's still always going to be that that's something different. Um, which I guarantee we're going to be missing when Fallout 5 does come. We're going to be missing the, mm-hmm. you know, multiplayer aspect where, you know, we made all these friends and just just the unique experience of Fallout 76. Yeah, I admittedly, I, I have, I'm having a problem now uh, enjoying single player games. Um without people to enjoy them with right and that's 100%. not a that's not a problem i had before but uh having actually made friends and talked to people uh <laughs> like and i'll go into games like you know when i dug back i remember loving dragon age inquisition um back in the day and diving back into that and the whole time i'm like this is great but i'm kind of lonely right right even when you're that's feeling kind of burned one of my out. favorite things Go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Taylor. Sorry. I was going to say, um, just really while you were going in with um, like the main point of Fallout 76 being very 
um, like before NPCs, I guess, because I know we were all playing since beta. That's one of my favorite things with this game and being such a fan of Fallout in general is ideally in a sense of growing up with this game, like especially playing from beta, one of my favorite things has been, obviously there's a, so there's such a great community in the 76, you know, game gaming community itself. And one of my favorite things with it is, is the fact that one, obviously Chad was able to blossom from this, which is absolutely phenomenal, but it's not just Chad. It's, there's so many like discord servers, which I'm terrible with, but there's so many of them that are so underscored between um, like you look it up for Fallout 76 and there's a bunch of them and like Minecraft had that because it's Minecraft. And one of my favorite things that has really come from this personally is really what Ken was touching on there where I've always been somebody who's been into video games, but mainly the single player experience, which when they first released that this was going to be multiplayer, everybody was kind of like, oh God, how is this going to go? And then like now just seeing where we is, especially with Nuka World and everything, it's literally just like every single update, they're pushing and pushing and pushing to bring so many new aspects and so many new like plot holes are getting filled in. And it's so great to really kind of just age with that game. And I personally, I have so much love for it because even on like, you know, my personal Xbox servers, I have people that I do like low-key role play with and stuff like that. And it's so fun to just be able to disengage from reality from my day job and be able to do that. And coming in and being a part of a podcast is also just amazing to be able to do that. And with having the love and the community that we have and between everybody on Twitch and everybody who streams and it's just, it's, it's so amazing to be a part of. And it's, it's so cool to, like I said, really just have aged with 76 as a whole. Um, and I think that it doesn't get, like, I hate to say it this way, but I feel like the developers almost don't get enough for that. And just for me to them personally, you guys are amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I second yeah. that. I think well, even when people are feeling really burnt out and, you know, kind of tired of lack of content or whatever, um, you're still always looking for a game that's, exactly like 76 to play with your friends. So there's there's nothing that even comes close. Well, and, and I remember uh, year one, um, I was interviewed because of what we had done with Chad and, you know, what we had done. Uh, I think we'd done Bethesda Game Days at this point. We were kind of talking about that on, on the interview. And uh, my, my friend who was on, on this podcast was telling me he was like yeah man you know like i bought the game i logged in i didn't really under understand it like you know i jump in and it's not like a fallout game there's no npcs like i just i didn't get it and i was like okay let me let me break it down for you you know and i i'd I start telling them kind of where where we're at in the game it's you know the first vault to open it's the test vault it's 25 years not 200 years you know and and he he kind of starts clicking he's like oh yeah oh yeah that that all makes sense why didn't i think about it that way and i'm like because you're used to other fallout games where it clearly spells it out gives you that path to go and and i told him i said that's kind of how the podcast got created you know they they gave us a blank canvas and you know people like kenny who have that creative 
ingenuity just went i can write a story on this because this is this is funny and this oh this this happened and oh this would be cool you know it that's that's how it it worked and it it came out so beautifully because of that you know i i don't know like i i just I remember convincing so many people, like, give it a chance. For one, it's going to get better. And for two, mm-hmm. like, think about what is happening and how much creative space you have in your own realm in this server of Fallout that you know and love. You you can create anything. I think... Especially, like, with the story... Oh, I'm so sorry. One more thing. <laughs> Especially with, like, the story arc and, like, how everything was, like, just brought to us how you gave it like the blank canvas thing so many people have taken that and went so far with it i mean look at where look ken look at where you are with chad look at where we are and you know all in these roles of it and there's so many other opportunities out there so like my favorite thing that bethesda did with 76 because i mean everybody is all excited for fallout 5 i'm so excited for fallout 5 i'm absolutely gonna play it 100 percent but when it boils down to it, 76 personally to me, I feel is a game that will never be necessarily something that I wouldn't want to pick up because of one, the friends, the community, and just the creative aspect that it brought to so many other content creators between VAs, between writers, between editors, between, you know, podcast creators. Like it opened up such a broad spectrum and the level that people have taken it to is just absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just us either. Um, I mean, I think, I think we were the first storytelling podcast. I don't know a hundred percent for sure, but when you think of how many there are now, um, oh, yeah. there are so many new podcasts that, that popped up, um, all telling Fallout 76 stories of their own and theater groups and, you know, the Fallout 5.0 with all of the role play, role play groups, Enclave, Brotherhood, um, Mothman Cultus. There's a Pipe of Life cult. There's a werewolf. There's a werewolf group now who role plays as werewolves now that we have that. Like, it's crazy. Um, and it's, it's interesting. That um, quote that I often go back to um, talking about the stories in Fallout 76 are the ones we tell ourselves that Todd said at E3. They still follow that because Mark Tucker said a very revealing thing in a Kevin um, Kevduit interview that he did where he, he, he teased two things. One, there is a long-term overarching story to Fallout 76. And I'm really curious to see what that is because he said that the the seeds have been planted and the some of the the story elements are already there. So I'm not I'm I'm still curious to see where where we are headed as far as the story of, of Fallout 76 is. The other thing that he said though is sometimes with things they try and balance what they do because even in the instance of encountering another player you know, where there's a negative interaction or, you know, your house gets blown up. They try and balance some of that stuff because that becomes a story. You had an experience that was Mm -hmm. a story, whether it's good or bad or whatever, it's still a story. So they're still very much looking at this, like everything that happens in the world, every nonsense thing, people running around in their underwear, beating robots, um, you know, people (laughs) using your stuff and teabagging you while you're sleeping. That's all a story. 
So they try and you kind do of fake protests it. in the world. Oh yeah, I remember those. <laughs> I love. That. Yeah, Wrecker Renee. Legendary sub. Thank Get you. good, Starry Sora. <laughs> Thank you for the sub. And yeah, Wrecker Renee. They're uh, yeah, that's it's Howl. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so long-winded wise, that's that's Fallout. Uh, that's episode four. Uh, the other thing, so then we get into our our very first two-parter, uh, and what became our our most long-standing uh, recurring character, uh, or or character type. So um, episodes five and six, I wanted to try something a little different. So um, I wanted to do an homage to eighties horror, and um, we were coming towards summertime and I wanted to, to basically put us all in a scenario like, okay, we need jobs. You know, you know, we're out of the vault. It's like the experience of life here where we're all kind of getting our first summer jobs. So, uh, we're introduced to the concept of the sickle man with Simon and the gang, everyone ending up at, uh, camp, uh, ghoul scout camp at camp crystal Lake. Um, when we're introduced to Brian, um, scene two, we're introduced to, uh, Ray, the fallout five Oh, his character, um, at lover's leap where Karen and Eddie, um, are, are getting it on in the Corvega when there's a radio broadcast, um, now from, from mad dog, Mitch Mormon talking about, uh, some of mysterious disappearances. Uh, in the Crystal Lake area, Commander Johns of the Five O has issued fast travel advisories and a curfew for the area as they follow up on leads about a mysterious sack hooded figure spotted in the area. Um, and then Eddie starts telling the story of of Camp Grind Want to Grind a Lot, which uh, is our own kind of take on every classic slasher trope from from Friday the Thirteenth to Halloween. Um, and we we ended up building on the sickle man um in terms of the the story of what is actually going on with the Appalachian experiment um so here just like in in Friday the 13th one the killer spoiler is not in fact the sickle man it's someone using the sickle man legend to to wake us the hell up um we later find out, you know, episode five and the beginning part of episode six, it's all of these suspects. No one really knows who the sickle man is, who's doing the killing. And at the end of episode six, it's it's revealed to be the overseer. And she just loses her shit on us. <laughs> she goes <laughs> off. Because think of, you know, she raised us. And the very first thing that we do, we go out there, we start killing each other. You know, we, we rob each other. We, we're using you know, destructive nuclear devices, just willy nilly. Um, so she completely loses it. So, uh, can, can we just talk about the overseer real quick? And I, and I don't mean the character, I mean, Mary, can we, can we just say how amazing Mary is like, when, when we were in Boston and she was doing her live performance, I'll never forget <laughs> how many times she had to say Stanislaus Braun to get it right. Yeah. I just loved that so much. Yeah, Mary is the overseer. Sorry, I was reading Shadow. I'm not sure what the views were for that one, but I know with your expertise in that genre, it really set up a precedent that people coming back more and more for became the Halloween episodes. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I 
I live to to write horror. Um, and I think that's why people really love those episodes. Uh, I feel like my, my inner October child gets to come out to play. And we got a little bit of that in this one with a lot of um, stylistically, I changed the music, um, the building up the threat and tension. We had a lot of that in the script. It was something new I wanted to try uh, and ended up working really good. Um, so yeah, we're introduced to the characters of the Fallout 5.0. Um, Chad, <laughs> Susie, and Ella, you know, off on their adventures. Um, Chad wanting to take Susie to summer camp. So now, you know, you're starting to see little bits and pieces of him becoming a father figure to her, where he wants her to have a better experience growing up than he did. Um, we had another cheeky uh, commercial, um, this time talking about buff tats. <laughs> <laughs> With, with with such charming lines as soon as Susan saying, "Oh Jim, look at you go! You're throbbing and getting bigger all over," and Jim saying, "Look out, Susan! I'm almost finished." <laughs> yes, Dark Noise buffed it. Oh, buffed it. Um, we're introduced. Uh, yeah, Jake and Amada finally find each other. They finally find. Um, Simon for the first time and there's that that awkward first meeting uh at orientation um where he finally catches up to the two of them and they were supposed to leave together and he's had nothing but a really hard time mm-hmm. and Jake didn't help no 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 it was a struggle <laughs> It was the whole struggle and a half for that poor man. <laughs> yeah, it was nice that they finally got a chance to to get back together. Uh, I did the character of Butch uh, that was quickly killed off in the archery range. So I went with kind of a New, New Jersey accent there. That was the end of him, <laughs> which, which was created and then killed quickly. Um. <laughs> Yep, and here we go, introduced to the character of Marianne. <laughs> well, hey there, Marianne Belts. Um, and I've mentioned this before, um, Brian is based on a real person. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think every... Oh, every... Uh, he, I mean, the person didn't actually talk like Brian. I took some liberty there, but... Um, Every every Boy Scout troop has that overachieving, constantly like enthusiastic, positive person. Um, that they're just so so over the top and glowy and bubbly that you just really want to rain on their parade because they're so just so obnoxious about it. And Brian is the perfect personification of that. You know, he has all the merit badges. He's the ultimate dweeb. Um, so he he blends in really well with Marianne. Uh, yep, and then we have the ukulele, which I just once you started playing that in the audition, yes, <laughs> that had to be part of the character. Yeah, I I I don't know if the ukulele is Marianne's ukulele, but I, we definitely let's, we definitely came up with that. 
yeah let's let's be real here <laughs> the design of that if you're looking at it right now on the screen uh it's you know it's it's pretty dead on yeah, yeah. it really is we'll just call that an, an homage we're, we're just gonna call pete and go yeah bro we we appreciate you uh thinking of us okay <laughs> we're gonna just brotherhood you for or what is it yeah brotherhood we know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look at the design that that Craig came up with for the ukulele and the shape of the bottle, and yeah, mm -hmm. you can now get them in game. Yeah, which uh, I did not realize that until I saw Wreck It Renee post that. I I didn't video. either. When Renee showed that, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" I was like, "That's yeah. that's, that's the ukulele." That yeah. was the first thing I thought of because I saw her post and was like, "Yep, yep, they copied us." That's it? Yep. This is the second time in record I can I can say they copied us. Inspirational. Um, inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> um, episode six uh, picks up where we left off uh, with the Mothman. Um, Simon, Jake, and Amada. We got Brian. Oh yeah, hiking with the Ghoul Scouts. Um, can I say? Yeah. Um, you write for so for and i know mark would say the same thing the way you write versus like delivering lines as marianne and brian those are some challenging paragraphs when especially when they're going on <laughs> like their little rants about you know fun facts and stuff <laughs> they're like tongue twisters they're so they're amazing but i know <laughs> brian or mark and i sometimes have to do a couple takes on those because <laughs> doing those in character, like because they just go on and on and on with all the you know the big scientific words and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's challenging. <laughs> I do that on purpose. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> but also, um, the. I mean, you need the characters to be that irritating. Like, yes. I want you to be irritated reading them so that you sound irritated. <laughs> like you're irritated. <laughs> that energy becomes part of the performance. But moreover, I want that energy to transfer to the listener. Like, I want them to say, oh, Jesus Christ, here comes Brian again. Shut, please, just please shut the fuck up. Right? Just please. Um, it's It's characters that you love to hate but love to hate. Um, I mean, those two characters in particular have sprung up everywhere. So many different artists, uh, Turtle and Shia, um, other are Dweller and his dog, and um, they're characters that, that artists, Fallout fan artists in the community are, are creating their own kind of fun stories with everything that Brian and Marianne get up to with the scouts, just kind of off having their own adventures, which I think is, is awesome. Um, that the characters are that well beloved that yes. uh, they get kind of their own spin-offs with people. I love that. Yeah, and then we come finally at the end of this with the sickle man, the 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 big wrap up when the the overseer finally lets loose um, You damned kids, decades, decades of planning, of shaping, teaching, and cultivating. I had a directive from Voltec, secure the region's three nuclear silos, 
I, we had to make sure they didn't fall into the wrong hands. I knew I couldn't do it alone. So I asked you, my family for help. And what did you do? You blew up each other's bases. You became cannibals, <laughs> open fight clubs and brothels. You murdered each other again and again. Gambles started playing with nuclear weapons. Like they were fun and funny. What the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> And you three, I had high hopes for you. Instead of opening a farm, Amada becomes a thief and a raider. Um, dwellers <laughs> lost their junk uh, to you because you couldn't be bothered to get your own. So that's that's what Amada's been up to. Jake finds his best friend and feeds him Tits McGee uh, and then goes on a murder spree. Simon, with the cannibalism and bodies, um, murdering Chad for using a workbench in your shack. Really? Really? Um <laughs> I didn't give a crap about caps. I found this outfit at the house. I saw you all struggling. It was me who repaired the mainframe at camp and got the bots going. And it would be too good an opportunity for all to ignore. I'd get you all back together and do the wasteland a favor. Get rid of you all. Yeah. So that's the overseer com completely flipping out. And then she teases what eventually was going to become the season finale here. He's waiting for you. The experiment is just beginning. You should have let me kill you. Uh, then we came to our, our first mini-sode. Thank you for the uh, subscription. Um, which was Graham's Harvest Barbecue, uh, with Mark voicing Graham. That was a fun one. Yes. I wanted to do some of these little standalone stories. The other one that we did was, uh, probably the most wholesome one where Chad, uh, takes Susie trick-or-treating. Yes. Um, and arriving at a person's house who... <laughs> who didn't uh, have any candy to offer, so they end up just dropping uh, artillery on it. <laughs> Another popular episode, uh, I think because of the name, is episode seven with Moose Patsy and the horrors of the atomic shop purgatory. Oh, the purgatory mm. episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this one is very Twilight Zone-esque, uh, hence the cover art. Um, so, you know, Simon runs back, uh, into Vince, um, after finally catching up with Patsy and Moose, uh, who kill him, by the way. Um, we're also introduced to, to Simon's silent sidekick, uh, Legs. And Legs is, uh, designed to personify the players that you encounter in world that in year one, um, microphones were constantly on. So, you know, legs talking, uh, and you hearing potato chips, um, is the experience that we had in year one where there was, you know, if you're talking, it's, it's being heard in the wasteland. So you could hear all kinds of stuff, which was kind of neat in the beginning. That's how I ended up meeting so many friends. Uh, mm -hmm. because you'd hear people talking like in the distance and be like, Ooh, what's going on over there? So you'd kind of, you know, sneak over and listen in and, you know, you say hi to people, they'd talk to you and either, you know, they'd shoot you or, um, sometimes they'd be talking about really inappropriate stuff that you're overhearing, <laughs> uh, which, you know, adds to the experience. Um, but yeah, so Simon finally gets a friend named legs. Um, there's a moment where he's, uh, confused and surprised when Legs pulls an entire piano out of his ass and just materializes <laughs> it in thin air and starts playing it. Um, which talks to our really our meta ability to just conjure oh. objects from thin air. 
Yes. Um, and then Simon finally ends up inside the atomic shop for the first time. Um, and this is where, where things get a little screwy. Um, so the, there's a, a very specific reason that, uh, at the point of death, our characters die and end up in the atomic shop. And the first few times you die, you don't remember until eventually after multiple times, um, that starts bleeding through and you remember being there. So Simon dies uh, wakes up inside this gigantic, endless warehouse. And you've got the shadows of the damned, um, the shadows of the band around you, um, saying the kinds of things that, that were still being said on Reddit and that were even in that beginning episodes, people were leaving comments about Fallout 76 as if it had anything to do with us or the show. Um, so we were, we were getting comments, uh, when I was dropping episodes like, you know, 74, 76 sucks. And, um, so I took all of that, uh, and I wrote it into the script. So things like you aren't original, uh, stop trying, follow 76 sucks. These are all of the things that the shadows are whispering as Simon, who runs into Vince, who's been trapped in the atomic shop or running from them. Um, they run into a vendor bot and there's a price to be paid in order to respawn in the world. And the price is quite literally blood. So, uh, Simon, um, ends up giving his little pound of flesh leaves Vince, uh, trapped there after stealing Adams from him, um, and returns to the world. So of course that, Leaves Vince pretty pissed off. Um, it ends with with the great punchline of Simon waking up, and the thing that he randomly bought in the atomic shop now exists in the real world, which is that that pink princess bed that's just oh, kind yes. of sitting there, terrifying <laughs> the corner. Yes. Um. Episode eight was our, our throwback episode where we flash back to what was the final Halloween celebrated in the vault before reclamation day. Um, and I, it was a lot of fun doing this one. Um, like we got to, to, to experience trick or treating and a Halloween party in the vault. We had yet another of, of Moose's longstanding jokes where he's possibly going after like, before he was into passing comedy hour yes that's what it was or moose uh <laughs> was really trying to woo uh betsy and uh it it always goes wrong every song that he sings every gesture that he does it it just, <laughs> it just goes wrong it's terrible. he tried him best <laughs> hey hey all, all i'm all i'm saying all i'm saying it's gonna be okay betsy is just fine <laughs> there's uh there's also um a really important piece that happens right here that doesn't pay off until season four so the um the gang after the party 
you know, go down into a level that had been destroyed. There was an explosion. Everyone was killed. There was a cave-in. You know, most of the bodies were never recovered. Um, the other thing that, that also didn't make sense to me is we're not the best and brightest. Um, even though the Vault 76 experiment specifically says that we are, um, we have awards for the dumbest shit. Like clean toilets and great hair. Like, like these are the softest, most ridiculous awards for anything. And when you first wake up, when you're playing the game, if you go look in the display cabinet, like the awards that you get are just, they're stupid. They don't make sense based on how intelligent you're supposed to be. And I would argue that our actions out in the wasteland aren't very intelligent either. <laughs> um, well, Patsy's clearly not the best or brightest. Yeah, so so we're definitely not the best and brightest. So once again, if if the the experiment is supposed to be, um, or our mission is to go out there and restart civilization, once again, we're too stupid to accomplish that anyway, unless there were people who were supposed to guide us and lead us. So for our lore purposes, there were, and there was an entire level of teachers and engineers and architects and leaders who were supposed to take over from the overseer on reclamation day where these people would lead us out of the wasteland and help us to accomplish that goal mysteriously someone killed them all um planted bombs and just killed everyone on that level and the ghost that they end up meeting there that um kevin plays um talked about the fact that he he never saw the person again he saw him only once and he had a very noticeable scar that person is going to become really important um and eventually you're going to to find out um who that person is but once again the the wheels cool. of our our fourth season arc were were planted early on here and that was kind of our our first episode um Digging into the Halloween stuff. Um, Eat uh, became really well known in the early years and and garnered press and got Bethesda's attention uh, for for a cannibal role playing faction. Um, and because of that, I mean, out of role playing groups, they were the ones that that were the biggest and most well known at the time. So it made sense for them to to be part of the experience. Since so many of these episodes were kind of chronicling what it was like in year one. Um, so S Simon, at this point in time, you know, things are settled with Jake and Amada. Um, things are actually going really well. They meet an aristocrat who's now living at the White Spring um, and kill him because <laughs> Jake, Simon, Amada are awful people. Um <laughs> And you've got, uh, it's Thanksgiving, so, you know, you're getting scenes with uh, Patsy, Moose, Chad, Susie and Ella, Punch. Everyone's getting ready for Thanksgiving. They're planning a big trip to go hunt turkey. Um, and Punch uh, says he has a perfect spot. What they don't know is that the turkey is, in fact, a scorch beast. And so it's the first time the gang is actually fighting one as far as our story goes. Um, you've got... Uh, we're finally introduced to Abraham and Lord Grawl. And um, 
The other thing that I tried to do as far as our story went before now, of course, there are people living in the White Spring that they've added with the pit update. Um, at that point in time, it didn't make sense for us to all be, you know, living in our underwear in a wood hut when there's a perfectly preserved, pristine hotel, like right in the center of the world that's really well protected and fortified. It, it didn't make any sense for it to sit there without people being there. So for our purposes, um, I had original landowners, the, the descendants of the wealthy and elite, become a kind of a cult of their own. So anyone who um, traced their lineage to aristocracy took over the White Spring and moved in there um, with the eat serving as their um, unit that would deal with problems, their kind of own private protective army that would guard the aristocrats um, while they, they lived in happiness uh, inside the hotel. Um, we also had... Um, I, I miss the Vault 69 gym. So at this point in time, Chad and the gang were still doing the BroFit con, uh, where they were just <laughs> depriving people of, of caps and junk <laughs> and allowing them to kill themselves in various ways during exercises. Um, Mr. Juicer. Um, <laughs> a Ascension uh, talking juice machine. Um, with such memorable lines as give me those veggies, shove them right inside my metal head face. Splash that Momart milk all over my moist class dome. <laughs> and Patsy, <laughs> Patsy fighting with the thing where she's talking about, he's kind of thrusting it out at me. <laughs> yes. It was very forceful. <laughs> Mr. Juice's <laughs> final line is, I'm all juiced out. Clean yourself up. Hit me up when you want to juice me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta love that, Mr. Juicer. Um, uh, well done. He understands his role. That's right. That's how it works. Um, Simon... Um, at this point in time, because of the cannibalism, is, is confronted with what became his kind of mini arc for season one. So because of something that Jake did to him, which is feeding him Tits McGee and making him a cannibal, um, something I didn't find out until later, which is kind of cool. So to me, another thing that didn't make sense, and I'm, I'm glad they thought of it, and I kind of wish we had this, um, we can become cannibals in Fallout 76, but we never become Wendigos, which doesn't make any sense and that's kind of the story of the gourmands in mm -hmm. fallout 76 you know when we head to windigo cave but you know we can do that without transforming what i later found out is that the developers originally had intended us to have mutation effects based on specific criterion so um, if we continued to use the cannibal park we would eventually become a windigo which mm. would have been pretty fucking cool and i, mm -hmm. I would have loved that um, you could also, if you uh, became heavily mutated or radiated, you would actually turn into a super mutant um, with exposure to FEV. Um, that's cool. It was all of these were early concepts that didn't end up making it, but I thought, damn, that's kind of cool. So um, Simon in season one is struggling with that, where leaning into cannibalism and just, you know, willy nilly eating people like he does after he eats Brian um, back at scout camp. <laughs> 
at the end of the sickle man arc uh finally jake and him kind of tuck into brian um simon starts to lose control of that and almost kills amada uh and is so upset by doing that uh and her reaction he feels a rejection there so he ends up taking off and running away um and it's there that he he runs back into their old teacher mr simmons who shows up in a carriage from the white spring and picture the audio cues of this you hear the clomping of hooves there are no horses left alive in the world that we know of get those coconuts so what exactly is pulling the carriage the answer is people and the visual of that uh, (laughs) is a little unsettling uh, which just goes to show how scary the aristocrats and eat are um so simon ends up going to the white spring realizes that he has heritage and standing there um and ends up joining there are are times in our stories when we get kind of mundane things that are just fun little scenes and a great one is simon attending a meeting of the uh apocalyptic aristocracy the eat guilds yearly thanksgiving meeting and it's like the Academy Awards for for cannibalism and raiding. So they're they're handing out awards <laughs> to people. Um, where is oh, there was a great line with yeah, there we go um, for how good cannibals they are. Yeah, you got Chef David presenting <laughs> delicacies. Simon realizing that legs <laughs> is in the cage. Um, first annual banquet, the establishment of Appalachia taste testers. Um, yeah, and that it ends that episode with, with Simon um, wanting to get legs out before they eat him. Um, it picks back up again a, a little ways down the road. So we had a little bit of a break, and what threw us off is when um, Bethesda reached out and asked us to do the live show at this point in time, which completely kind of threw our release schedule out the window so I could switch to work on the live show. That's why there's this weird break between that episode. And then when we finally concluded that, which was like six months later, (laughs) when we finally got around to part two. Um, So in between then, you know, we had episode 10, which was the, the dark um, Christmas story where we end up meeting Santa. And it was like little scenes, you know, it was a Mata, uh, having a wonderful Christmas where she runs back into Betsy uh, and she kills her and robs her. Um, so we got some fun. We got to see uh, Amada as a raider. Um, Simon meeting the Mothman priest at the Festival of Lights in Point Pleasant. Um, and Mark did an amazing job as Santa Claus with that one. Yes. So good. Can I tell a fun, quick story? About yeah, of course. So... Mark did such an amazing job as Santa Claus. I actually reached out to him and Taylor and was and and was like, "Hey, can y'all do Mrs. and Mr. Claus? I'm going to write a quick little script. I'm going to play it for my nieces and nephews so that they believe Santa Claus is real." Oh, and that's awesome. He's not phenomenal. Phenomenal. They did such an amazing job. Uh, my nieces and nephews still believe Santa exists and it's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome they, they feel like they got a real voicemail from santa 
Yeah, Mark did an amazing job with that. Um, so we kind of, while I was working on the live show, um, we ended up having the gang get together and you cranked out three minisodes in a short period of time. So we had, um, that really great episode with, uh, Brian and Marianne, um, Sophia, uh, Mark's daughter playing Becky, the ghoul who in the sickle man story became kind of the bully to Susie, uh, and made the mistake of taking Ella from her. So as vengeance, um, in the most, uh, some of the most unhinged vengefulness that we've seen from Susie, Susie throws her, uh, down to the, to the ghouls living underneath the outhouses of the camp. And that's kind of the last we see of her until Brian finally responds, uh, gets her out of the hole beneath the outhouse. And, you know, she's completely covered in mess, um, and we also see a little bit of uh, Brian and Marianne showing just how badass they really are by making really short work of Raiders. Um, as geeky as they are, kind of the funny thing about the two of them, and we see a little bit of that later on in season two with the Bryognac um, mini-sode arc, where we see just how badass Marianne is in her own way. Um, they, they know builds like in a way that players don't pay attention. So they're, they're optimized for pretty any situation. So they pull out their legacy gear and you know, they, they kill the Raiders. Um, Minisode four was with Simon running into Mr. Messenger. Everyone's least favorite quest in, in fallout 76, mostly because of how broken it was. And it may still be, I haven't done it since then, but it's literally you're you're just acting as a postman to get Mr. Messenger to deliver a message to people that are long since dead. But what makes him funny is that, and it becomes part of the story, like Mr. Messenger would literally go into a house for some reason along the way and then just continue driving against the wall without going anywhere. And it ends up failing the quest. I don't think I've seen that in a long time. The mini, the minisode, or uh, the no, Mister Messenger. Messenger. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if they took it out because of how broken it was. Yeah, Jay starts saying they finally turned it off. Oh, so now I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's nostalgia. Yeah. Um, remember how broken it was that we yelled for anybody at for anybody screen? here who who never got a chance to play it. Listen to the minisode, and that's pretty much what the experience was. <laughs> 100 that's the worst part about it too like oh my gosh um it's tea time was a really really fun episode that jessica duvall and christian moore wrote together um that is just one of those fun little episodes where you know the as much as the relationship develops between punch and moose um punch develops this great kind of big brother relationship with Susie. um and it, this is one of those fun ones where they they go off on an adventure uh, just to, to go get some tea. And it goes about as well as you'd expect. Um, and then we finally came back to part two um, where we got... Uh, Yeah, we had episode 11, finally, The Most Dangerous Game and No Fisto, um, where Simon moves into the White Spring, 
um, ends up getting an adorable, tiny little helper um, that I kind of want to bring back. Um, and also his first shower since uh, Vault 76, um, enjoying the facilities at the White Spring before he goes to break out legs, um, is captured by Lord Grawl. And um, if you've ever seen um, the movie or read the book, The Most Dangerous Game, which I highly recommend, um, we get a little flavor of that where Simon becomes the prey. So their Thanksgiving feast is literally hunting down a person. So Simon meets Lord Grawl again at the Black Lodge. Uh, the Black Bear Lodge is set loose and is hunted down. At this point in time, Simon is is struggling with the monster that is developing in him, um, meaning losing control of his, his cannibalism. Um, this introduced the character of Slick Willie, um, I don't know why uh, I wanted to create a water park that wasn't with Wavy Willards. Um, I think it was just so I could insert the joke, Slick Willie. Um, so the name of the water park ended up being Slick Willie with, with one of the funniest commercials we've ever had um, that you worked on, Jess, with Mark. <laughs> With uh, yeah, the jingle that you had there playing the ukulele was a lot of fun. Um, and then finally we get the the showdown and Simon's moment where he has to make a choice to either transform as Lord Grawl does. He he, come to find out, does have the ability to turn into Windigo. Um, and there's this great kind of dual moment on top of Slick Willie. So they're, they're literally standing on a water saw in which the, the water slide comes out of Slick Willie's metal pants. Um, so they're up there fighting and um, Simon makes the choice to die as a man instead of a monster. So he, he jumps from the top, drowns, and of course responds. But in, in the process of that, um, he ends up gaining the ability to to reshuffle his genetic deck. So he simply turns off his ability to be a cannibal uh, and equipped Aqualung so he could swim around down there. So Lord Grawl thinks he's dead. Simon comes back, kills Lord Grawl, and that's the last that we see of Lord Grawl, or so we think. That jingle was probably one of my favorite moments, writing that and then sending it to Mark and then the editing you did on it was freaking fantastic. But yeah, I'm pretty proud of that one. That was a lot of fun. Um, many I have to say that that's yeah. probably personally my favorite, just the dynamic with it. It was just like, that's probably my favorite episode from the entire season. You know, if, if we're looking for that. <laughs> Something else really important happened in that episode. So um, music um, we'd, we'd use for the intro, outro, and then in between scenes. Um, that episode was the first time that I ever used music that worked um, to build up the drama and emotion of a scene. Um, so I commissioned this, this beautiful piece of uh, music from a singer. Um, and the scene in which Simon takes his leap and Amada and Jake give up 
on Simon because, you know, they show up at the water park thinking to save him. And what they are confronted with is, you know, Simon having killed MacGyver style everyone who went after him. So there's, it's just a bloodbath. So Simon, uh, Jake and Amada assume that that means that Simon has become a full monster and he's no longer human, um, which is why they go to the five O to, to turn him in. And that begins the, the trial. But um, the way that the music built during that scene did such a great job at, at elevating the whole thing. Uh, and it was the first time that we did that. And we've done that a lot since then, particularly with the Halloween episodes, the music mm-hmm. becomes a real key part of the production there. Yes. Um, and then we, we finally come to, to our bitter end, which is year one crimes against Appalachia. Um, the, the show that we did in Boston uh, for Bethesda, um, I did eight different scripts um, before finally uh, I had was both happy <coughs> and also had cut it down enough because we had a very specific time frame where, where we could not go over. Um, so I had to make sure that the episode, you know, fit within the time frame. And because of that, there was so much great stuff that I had to cut from the script that I wasn't happy with. So if you actually watch the live show as we performed it in Boston, which is up on our YouTube channel, but it's also in the podcast feed as a bonus episode. Um, that one isn't canon. It's more bonus because I, I added in some extra stuff, whereas this one is. I later did a director's cut that inserted all of the stuff that I cut back in. So we get um, more character development um, at the Brofit gym. We find out more about what Simon's been up to um, and a lot more scenes that take place um, in the courtroom. The the buildup to this, of course, is the arrest of Simon, the arrest of Moose's gang, um, Jake and Amada uh, turn Simon in. So um, the judge, Pete Hines' character, um, who had been a janitor in the vault, sets himself up with District Attorney Malcolm Fletcher as the de facto base of law and order in Appalachia to try and restore some order considering how crazy we've all been. So working in tandem with the 5 they've they've set up this, you know, uh, Department of Justice in, in a world where one doesn't exist. Um, the problem is there's more going on here. Um, so... Uh, during the course of the trial, the overseer who's been locked up in solitary confinement the entire time finally comes out and starts teasing a little bit of the story that Vault 76 being a fake, a false control vault, that there's actually an experiment going on. Pete Hines' character and Pete um, works for vault Tech. He's been part of this, this whole thing the entire time. He immediately takes action to get her out of the courtroom, get the reporters out of the courtroom, and then just end the trial there, and then condemn Simon and Chad's gang. Um, at which point, um, in typical fashion, um, Simon comes out with a scrap kit and introduces the concept of teleporting for the first time. Um, so the scrap kits that exist in Fallout 76, um, I wanted to find a way to explain fast travel so for our intensive purposes, uh, scrap kits 
use um, advanced technology to have like a pocket wormhole that could attach to your shelter where you had a stash so it has an end receiving point in your stash kit we've used that a few times we've used it to escape the sickle man we've used it to escape the judge on multiple occasions um yeah the crimes against Appalachian was was an important culmination of kind of all of the terrible things that we all did that first year uh before season two kind of started And that uh, that was the conclusion of, of season two, with the exception of um, it was one minisode that we did after that, um, where we were joined by Ashley J, who played Maya, um, with Chad, you know, going looking for a, a Christmas present. That was a, a great um, story that he ended up writing. A nice minisode. Yeah, she, she's pretty. She's great. She really is. Yeah, she plays Meg, um, head of the Creator Readers this season, which you're going to be hearing her in the next episode. Rusty Pick Raider Sugar Grow Secrets that I started uh, polishing yesterday, actually. Now that uh, the Christmas special is done, and that was uh, that was our season one. Boy, when we do season two, uh, you're going to have a, a lot of questions, uh, and we're going to have to do that one two parts because there's a shitload of stuff to talk about for season two. There's also a, a crap ton more people coming on board in season two. Oh yeah. yeah. So where uh, where we're headed from here, um, you know, I can give you here. I'm going to give you a little tease of something now that you're all mm. here and been sitting patiently. Uh, I'm going to open. <laughs> hang on, I'm going to open Adobe Audition here. And I'm going to tease you with the opening. Of Rusty Pick Raiders and Sugar Grove Secrets, uh, which is our next episode. So um, we'll remember where we left off. So Chad and the gang, as far as where we are story-wise, um, is, uh, let's see here, where we're Change this to Adobe Audition. Size you. So. Uh, nope. Uh, yep. Let's do screen. There we go. All right, so uh, remember story-wise where we left off. So at the end of the, the Bryognac saga, um, you know, Moose and Punch had gone out, and the, the entire very long saga with Brian and everything else was to simply get recipes. So the Rusty Pick is going to be reopening, having their grand reopening, which we're finally going to see uh, in this episode, where Chad's gang finally have a home, and, you know, it's going to be filled with people and music. Um and everything that kind of comes with that. Um, but more importantly, um, we're introduced to a lot of the characters that we know from Fallout 76. So since we started doing the rest of these episodes for charity, the original voice actors were kind enough to come back and join us um, for uh, reprising a lot of these characters. Um, this initial opening here... 
there we go. If you've played Fallout 3, this this opening uh, will be very familiar. Um, because this opening takes place in the capital wasteland, we get a little bit more about the origin of Devon's character, Atomic Alice, that we were introduced to in the last episode, uh, Beer Bros and Brahmin writing, played by Lady Devon from Bethesda. Um, the um, In Fallout 76 lore, so the Crater Raiders um, are part of the original Raider groups that Meg had led them out of Appalachia before all of the Raiders ended up dying here. And lore-wise, um, they went in a bunch of different places. They went all the way up to Boston. They went to Washington, D.C. So they've been traveling around. And we never hear too much of that, so I wanted to get a flavor of that. I wanted to go back to um, a game that I love, which is Fallout 3. It was my first entry in Fallout. So this whole first scene takes place in the Capital Wasteland. In fact, it takes place at a very specific street on the Capital Wasteland. And I'm going to tease you with a little bit of that right now. Listen close. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have but one desire. Washington, D.C. What a shithole. Ratchet. Where the hell are we? Well, fuck if I know. This map Scavard drew with goddamn crayons isn't entirely accurate. You probably should have kept him alive then. Meh. I don't like his face. What's the hold up now? Old wrench face loser way again? Oh, I swear to God, Meg. Wanna cut her? Lay off her, kid. Now's not the time. Keep your eyes peeled, Sheena. We need to move, boss. We're vulnerable on these side streets. Hey, dipshits. You guys scout on up ahead. Go ahead. Yell a little louder, Sheena. Christ, those super mutants are all over the damn place. Keep it 
down. Come on, Ren. Let's clear the streets ahead. Go off with your papi, mamita. Try not to shoot any of us, see? Okay, Dad. I'm ready. Safety off, kid. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, just read a street sign. Corner of G Street and Executive Avenue. It's not rocket science. Executive Ave? Oh, shit. You know where we are? If anything's left, scav of the century. Stay together, damn it. Hey, Sheena. Where to round up our corillo? <laughs> Shut up, Graf. Dumbass Caffy. Caffy? <laughs> you mean Cafre. Spin the wheel and try again, chica. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop, 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 stop. Whole block is Rad City, man. Ooh, we go any further and we won't need flashlights ever again. Damn. Have a look at the seat of democracy. From White House to Green Crater. Damn! Direct hit. Not much left. Shit on a shingle that would have been amazing. Think of the tech they would have had down there. Boss, I'm telling you we need to move. Yeah, boss. I agree, we gots to move. Yeah, 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 Sheena. Give me a minute. Hell, let me see. If memory serves me correctly, Pen Ave should be right up ahead. We bang a left and our mock is on the right. <laughs> yo, 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 I'm with Sheena. We need to get a move on, man. Those super mutants aren't like the pussyfoot ones back in Appalachia, man. These bastards are tough. I'm not looking forward to crossing paths with them again. Neither am I, girl. We get in, blow it, and get the hell out. Quick and easy. What's with all the caution tape? Let's just blow through there. Blow the face off the damned building, and if anything comes looking for trouble, let's crater him. <laughs> you keep that trigger-happy rad shooter on your goddamn hog, double A. I'm not asking again when I have a repeat of your Bunker Hill stunt. What can I say? I saw a face I didn't like. Oh, ha huh, ha. Huh. I don't need to roll back and repeat, do I? Yeah, yeah. Diehards, rev them up. Roll them out. Weba! Let's go! Bingo, bango, bongo! Look what we had here! Pennsylvania Avenue. Knees and elbows, diehards. Gather round. Tonight... We take this tall-ass concrete lady for a night on the town. Meet the Metro National Bank. Of the five banks in good old D.C., she was the biggest bitch around. But before she was the Metro... Munch, where you at? Time for a little history lesson. Tell them what you told me. Well, now, let me see. 
Oh, yeah. So, before this here building was a bank, it was something far, far more important. The United States Treasure Building. Before Fort Knox was built back in 19-something or other, all of the U.S. government's gold and silver reserves were parked right here. Now, don't let this concrete lady fool you, because behind those windows sits one of the greatest vaults ever made. Not only are we talking gold and silver, but this is where the government keeps its most valuable treasures and secrets. We're talking historical artifacts, rare paintings- I told you before, I ain't interested in Lincoln's yard sale leftovers. We're in it for the gold, silver, and jewels. And I'll stop there. This, uh, I had so much fun. Um, like I, I went back and revisited downtown DC, um, to, to check out some of the locations and, um, the, the downtown DC Metro bank is in fallout three on Pennsylvania Avenue. So if you play fallout three, you'll see exactly where I'm setting this story. Um, so everything that happens in this, this cold open um, is based on everything and every threat that isn't around that area. Um, but moreover, um, the um, the way in which we see Pennsylvania Avenue at that point in time in the future when we finally play Fallout 3 is because of what happens right here, right now. Um, and I'll, I'll leave that thought there. But it's, uh, you know, so they're they're seeing the ruins of the white house. Um, and at this point in time, the crater Raiders are, are pulling a bank heist that goes quite wrong. Um, and the national treasury building, uh, was originally in that area near that street, but Munch, uh, cause he's such a weird conspiracy dude, uh, had it completely wrong. So we're introduced to, you know, the crater Raiders that we meet. So you got Matt Raff, um, you got, uh, Sheena, um, you know, Meg, of course, um, and, uh, Ren and her, uh, her father, Raven, um, you know, we, we meet Ren, uh, at the crater. So it's just fun introducing a few of the different characters. This guy with the beard. Can't beers. wait. <laughs> I'm so excited for it. Yeah. Uh, I am too. This is a, it's a really fun open to the story and it's a great story as well. Um, this episode will also be one of two uh, that brings back Ferret Bowden's character, the archivist. Um, mm. He'd recorded both of these episodes uh, before passing away, unfortunately. But uh, he's a hero in them, which I think is is justice. So between this episode and, and the other one, meanwhile, the nuclear winter, he comes back to save the day once more. Amazing that his family let us use those still. Yeah. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. I think it'll be a very nice tribute to probably one of my favorite people that's worked for seventy six personally. Yeah, and thank you, Shadow Lore. I, I try and be as uh respectful of the actual lore writing as possible while trying to find my own way to to work around it. Uh so that's that's it for for teases and where we're headed next. Um, I am really excited uh, for the Battle of Appalachia. Um, the the orchestral score for that alone 
Um, those episodes are, are going to be Lord of the Rings scale in terms of the twists and turns of what that battle is going to be. And there's a lot of things that you're not going to see coming. Uh, and I will, so I will leave it at that. Um, and then we're going to take a break between seasons two and three to, to do a Starfield podcast. Um, and there's another podcast project that I've been wanting to do. I, I thought about it this year. Um, and I want to do it this coming year. Um, I want to do a podcast about mental health and gaming called the mental gamer. Um, and bring on, you know, proper people who are specializing uh, in in mental health and therapy and mindfulness and all these kind of things. I think so often um, stuff that we struggle with bleeds into content creation, much less gaming. Um, and I think it could it could do some good. So that's kind of a fun, goofy project that I want to work on. In between, uh, thankfully, with the Starfield podcast, which is anthology style. With the exception of a few episodes I'm writing, all I'm doing is editing them. <laughs> um, so that'll give me a, a little bit of a break to do some other stuff. Takes a little load off when you're not lead creative on every aspect. Yeah, like the, the they're they're picking their cast and I'm like, Yeah, great, just you know, give me your audio and I'll put it together. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about that because the the story styles would be all over. Like I, I had so much fun with our Halloween anthology. Um, I ended up, I had story concepts for four times as many stories as we actually had time to do. Um, there were stories that I'd wanted to do that we just didn't have time for. Um, There's always next year, Ken. There is. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm retiring. You just don't know yet. <laughs> One story that I really, really wanted to do was such a great fucking idea um i started thinking about uh, a pumpkin patch and the story opens um this kid's mom passes away and he has this kind of weird estranged relationship with his dad and comes home for the funeral and um in trying to repair his relationship with his dad he uh heads <laughs> peter ennis uh, he, <laughs> he and his dad head out to, to close the, the lake house they had growing up. So it's this old, you know, family lake house, an old farm that had been in the family for generations. And, um, you get, it gets into this weird territory where particularly at the fall time of year, people take stock of things. Fall is, is very, um, synonymous with thinking about um mortality and you know the in, in light of losing his mom who always tried to defend his dad the kids trying to, to understand why his dad was so aloof and distant and just mean growing up and he finally finds out um when they realize that the the pumpkin patch that has always been on the farm something happens to it on Halloween that has happened to it every Halloween, as long as the land has been theirs. And it becomes a, a temporary purgatory where it is the sad task of the family, and it always has been, that the pumpkins become the shapes and faces um, lit by this baleful light 
this jack-o'-lantern light of the deceased of that year oh. that cannot move on until they confess their greatest secrets. And so it's been the, tad, the sad task of this family to listen and release them. So there's mm-hmm. this weird point where, it, and he doesn't expect his mother to, to be there because she was a good person. Um, so he ends up finding one that's his mother and there's this weird moment. But I started to think a little bit about um, a pumpkin patch purgatory and I thought it would be an interesting take. Uh, Awkward silence. Well, I was going to ask a question about uh, the mod, but I didn't know if you'd said anything or like if that was still secret. The mod. Um, yep. Thank you for reminding me. So uh, the mod, um, we now have a Fallout 4 mod that is 100% complete and playable. Um, I won't be dropping it until after our season two finale uh, for a very specific reason in that it has um, <laughs> my half-baked ideas are compelling look it's if i have to say it out loud uh, as opposed to you reading or listening to it it sometimes comes out weird but i promise you it's, gonna, <laughs> it's it was a damn good story it sounds good um the the mod is fully complete but i can't release it until after because there are loads of spoilers in it Ah, um, mm-hmm. once I do though, so once we're our season two finale is, um, I'll drop it and you can play it and it has every single, um, episode, every minisode plus, um, hours and hours of bonus content that will only available for the mod. Um, so there are some commercials, there's some, uh, new radio programs, um, stuff that is really, really hilarious. Um, we did kind of a, a David Attenborough style uh, Appalachia in the wild in which it's literally just this this English proper narrator uh, narrating the mating ritual of the majestic red-backed Meyerlert queen. <laughs> oh my God. It is. Awesome. Once he finished recording for it, uh, and I mean, he's, he's wonderful, uh, BAFTA nominated. Um, Oliver is just fantastic, but he delivers it with such polish and pomp. So the way in which he's delivering it paired with like the fact that she's, she's spraying a vault dweller <laughs> who just happened to build his camp near there. <laughs> she's, she's, oh, she's basically, God. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's quite funny. Um, That's what people want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> This is what you came for. This is the experience you expect from us. Um, we are going to raid. I will be back tomorrow night with the very last broadcast that I'm going to be doing for the year. Uh, and actually, the last time that you're going to see me until or, or hear of me until February, uh, I'm taking the entire month of January off. I'm uninstalling social media apps. I'm I'm going away for a little bit. Um, to edit and write because there are are two episodes that have been sitting on my desk um, for a while while I was working on the Christmas show. Um, So I want to get Rusty Pick Raiders, Sugar Grow Secrets, and Meanwhile, A Nuclear Winter, uh, both of which um, are are two-part episodes. 
So you'll have in, in total, I think we've we've added like an extra six hours of story for you to listen to. Particularly, Meanwhile of Nuclear Winter is such a good episode. That's a great one. It's an homage to the the Nuclear Winter mode, and most excitingly, um, the voice actors for Reuben Gill and Zax came back to join us for that one. Um, some of the lines I wrote for Zax are really. I think you'll enjoy that. So yeah, I want to I want to get those edited and out the door for January. Uh, so let's see who's on that we can raid in. Alright, we're going to pass the party on to the final counselor. And uh, yeah, thank you all, everyone, for listening. Thank you for for listening to the show and sticking around, and listening to our our goofiness. And as always, thank my my wonderful voice actors who bring these stories to life. Everyone who's for... here, Jessica, yeah. Taylor, and Clint, and here, and everyone who's not here, who wanted to be here. Yeah, I hate that more people couldn't come. That's okay. Life happens. Life happens. Thank you for everything. Christmas. It's been amazing. <laughs> it's the holiday week. Yeah. Thank you for having us, though, Ken. I do appreciate it. Thank and you. you enjoy the time that you absolutely deserve off. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Shadow. Blackout days. I need to enjoy those. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go away for a good solid month and not have to listen to anything about fucking Elon Musk uh for a while. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Good. Um I don't hear it. I, I don't need a social media platform with a protagonist slash antagonist. Thank you very much. I'm just trying to get my news for Christ's sake. Uh let's pass on the party to the final counselor. I will be back tomorrow night. And uh, thank you all for being here. Good thank night, you. Everybody. Happy holidays. Yeah, now we get that awkward 10 Merry second Christmas. countdown where we just kind of stare <laughs> at the camera waiting for the thing to pop up. And Good to see both of your faces. Good to see you all. Here we go. All the faces. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>